Welcome to Site of Design from BWBR, a podcast where we discuss all aspects of design with knowledge leaders from every part of the industry. I'm Coral Digitano, your host for this episode. Today, I'll be discussing emergency mental health services, specifically the empath model with Brian Johansson and Louis Seidner. BWBR architect and principal Ryan Johansson focuses on healthcare facilities and the residents they serve, from large medical centers to critical access hospitals and community clinics. Lou Zeidner, PhD, is the System Director for Clinical Triage and Transition Services within the M Health Fairview Health System in Minnesota. Dr. Zeidner is a specialist in emergency mental health care, and his work is focused on improving access to care in the least restrictive care settings that keep patients safe. Welcome, Ryan and Lou. Thank you. Thanks. Nice to be here. I'm really excited to talk about Empath today. Lou, when we say mental health crisis, what do we mean? Well, in the, in the context of the emergency department, we mean anything where someone is coming in with concerns about their mental health that might be related to their drinking or use of drugs. It might be related to their anxiety, uh, their thoughts, their sadness, their worries about whether or not they can continue to live. Uh, all of those things might be a mental health crisis. Additionally, sometimes people come in with medical symptoms that underneath are a crisis. So for example, they may feel like they're having a heart attack, but really be having a panic attack. So oftentimes what we're talking about are primary complaints, but sometimes secondary complaints as well. Oh, okay. Well, what was the nature of services offered before Empath? What did the emergency department look like then? So for the last 10 years, we've recognized that there's a need for something beyond the usual emergency department services. Uh, that patients who are in a mental health crisis need something additional. And so we have been staffing 24-7 with clinical social workers and psychologists to support the ED staff in serving the needs of of those patients. But what we have found is that by having a social worker or a psychologist in the ED, we were able to reduce the rate of admissions to inpatient mental health by about a third. Uh, So that was our pre-existing condition. But we also recognized pre-empath that we could do some things better, that we were continuing to do um, interventions that we could do better with more time uh, and a better space. I think one of the challenges we saw really, Lou, was those ED spaces were primarily built to focus on medical issues. The bright clinical lighting aspect, the different monitors, the the med gases, the cords all over, the exam tables are not comfortable in those spaces. So uh, as we tried to pull double duty on some of those exam room spaces, as we try to treat mental health patients in those spaces, it just doesn't work as well. It's not as comfortable. It's not the type of room that they need. I absolutely agree. And I think even taking it further to to keep them safe, uh, to make them ligature uh, free, Uh, It takes a lot of effort and a lot of extra work. Uh, Oftentimes in small emergency departments, they don't have that ability. Uh, Additionally, for the patient, the sound, the loudness, the the bright lights, as you mentioned, uh, are further agitating. Uh, What we know about people who are feeling anxious or feeling sad is that a calming atmosphere is much more effective than bright lights, loud noises, uh, and in the traditional emergency department design. Absolutely. I can definitely see how that can affect someone in a crisis state like that. 
Lou, what exactly is empath? What does it stand for and why is it so important? So empath stands for emergency psychiatric assessment, treatment, and healing. Um, And it's important because it's a redesign of emergency department space to meet the needs of a person in a mental health crisis. It's redesigned from the things that Ryan and I were just talking about. It's got a calming atmosphere. It's got an ability to uh, regulate the lights and the sound. Uh, It's designed differently to be more like a living room space than a traditional hospital. Uh, And it gives a patient the ability to feel more comfortable and ability to self-calm in that space. I think as we design those spaces, Coral, like Lou stated, it's it's really a, a human-centered space. We are all human beings, and we need to be treated like that and felt like we're respected. But bringing that, that sense of safety to the space, a safe space not only for the patients, but for the staff that work there as well. There are some difficult things that they have to go through um, throughout the day and their weeks, uh, and, and those are trying times. So Creating spaces for them in these types of settings is is just as important as creating the the space for the patients. That calming, comfortable space with lots of natural light, those positive distractions can help as those patients are treated. Absolutely. I can see why both are absolutely necessary. Lou, what makes it different programmatically? So I would say there are really three advantages of the empath for the patient. Um, The first, as we've been talking about, is the environment. The environment is designed specifically to give people the ability to calm and to get their needs met. In addition, we have the advantage of time. And so time allows us um, to see people over uh, an extended period of time. And that allows us to see them not only at their worst moment, but as they begin to adapt to what they're they're experiencing. Um, What we kind of make the distinction between a a picture and a movie. In a picture, you get one shot of the person and you get them often in the emergency department at their worst. As a result, we often have the most concern about their safety and therefore the highest rate of admission. By seeing them over time, we can see them calm, we can see their abilities to adapt, and we can adjust our our own judgment of what their needs are clinically going forward. The third distinction is that the staff in the traditional emergency department are generalists. One minute they're seeing someone in trauma, the next minute someone in a cardiac problem, and the third minute someone in a mental health crisis. That means that they're specialists in none and, and good in all. Uh, In the empath unit, we have purely mental health professionals. So the physicians are psychiatrists, the therapists are there, the mental health nurses, all staff are mental health professionals. So they all have the ability to interact and intervene with that patient's needs. I think one of the things that stands out for me is that, like you said, not only is it the space, but it's the team and how they take care of the patients within the space. And combining that really makes the patients feel like they're being cared for. In an ED setting, you get the come in, go out, I got I'm on to the next thing kind of an atmosphere where they have the time, like you said, to get to know these people and to to really make them feel like they are being cared for and they know that they're in the right place when they need it the most. You know, I think the just some very specific kinds of things in the emergency department, traditional emergency department, 
Um, most patients, particularly in the mental health crisis, are asked to change into a scrub type of outfit and outside of their normal outfit. Uh, if they want something to drink, they need to ring a call button and ask somebody for something to drink. If they need to use the restroom, same thing. Uh, in the empath unit, uh, they're able to be in their own clothes, their natural clothes. They're able to walk around. They're able to get something to eat or something to drink when they need to. Um, and so they're much more uh, able to make their own decisions and less uh, controlled by the environment. Uh, that gives them the ability to, to self-calm. Additionally, what we know is that in an emergency department, we have to see the person when they come in and make a decision and move on. In the empath, we have the advantage of time. And so if someone is somewhat agitated, we're able to wait. Uh, let them have a glass of water or something to eat. Uh, and we may see them in a half hour or in an hour when it's more convenient for them to interact. Um, so all of those things allow the patient to, to control the environment a bit more and therefore control their outcome. Is there an average amount of time that someone typically stays in the empath area? So there's several things um, that we're proud of in that. First off, everyone uh, starts in the medical ED. They come through the normal triage process. And in the medical ED, they're cleared medically. We want to make sure that there's not something medical going on um, that could be impacting their behavior. Uh, once they're medically clear, uh, and in today's world, that includes a COVID test. Uh, once that's back uh, and they're COVID negative, uh, they can be brought to the, um, the, the empath unit. Uh, within the empath unit, our average length of stay is somewhere around 12 hours, uh, but that's two populations. Uh, there's one population that averages somewhere closer to 10 hours in the empath unit, and then about half of our patients um, have an observation status um, where they'll be there a little bit longer, and they average about 24 hours. Uh, that We have had patients as long as 48 hours as well. Thanks. I was curious about that because I know that there's a, um, it can be tough to get beds in any mental health units these days. And so I was wondering if empath helps to hold someone that is in crisis until they can get somewhere. We don't actually use it as a holding space. Right. So I think that is important. Uh, oftentimes the, the advantage in terms of having a bed is that we're admitting a lot fewer people. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the people we're admitting from the empath unit really need to be in a bed. And by not admitting uh, patients who don't need to be, those beds are more available. Okay. And we can take that part out. That was just my curiosity. No worries. <laughs> um, okay, Lou, uh, share with me some clinical and operational outcomes. Clinically, we've learned that the team is very important and they work closely together. But each discipline does an assessment of the patient and then they collaborate in terms of a plan. Sometimes the most important intervention is the physician uh, related to medications. Other times it's the therapist as it relates to family interventions or other kinds of therapeutic uh, models. Uh, but working together, they're able to, to really support the patient best. Um, most of our patients are seen three or four times during the day by each of the disciplines. So it's really a successive intervention uh, over time. Uh, with some project work and other work that the patient may do in between those, uh, in, in addition to using some of the sensory rooms, uh, et cetera. The 
you know, operationally, what we've learned is that there are important um, handoffs between the medical ED and the clinical side of the empath, and that those are not trivial handoffs. Um, and so we've really had to work hard on the teams working well together. Uh, emergency departments work in a certain model, and they have a certain way of interacting with when they want to move a patient. The empath staff have a different model, and oftentimes those uh, need to be worked together, uh, and, and that really takes some teamwork and, and, and some intervention from supervisors. Well, now that you've been working with the empath unit for some time, can you share any lessons learned? So one of the things that we have been surprised by is that, as we, as we know from the medical emergency department, we were able to reduce our admission rate for patients in mental health crisis by a third. So we've taken it from a national standard that's somewhere around 60% uh, to about 40%. And the, the national standard that's been talked about for empath units has been about 25%. But what we have found at the Southdale Empath is that we've been able to reduce that rate to below 17%. Um, and that means that we've been able to get most patients to an outpatient setting uh, to get the support they need for their mental health crisis. Additionally, what we found is that the time in the medical emergency department can be significantly reduced. Uh, so one of the issues for many emergency departments is throughput. And as a result of mental health patients taking a significant amount of time in the ED, the waiting rooms fill up, waiting for a space to be cared for in the emergency department. Uh, and as a result of that, a certain percentage of patients leave without being seen. Uh, and those are patients not adequately cared for and also uh, lost revenues for the system. As a result of being able to move patients from the medical ED into the empath fast, uh, we free up space in the emergency department, and we've been able to significantly reduce the number of patients who leave without being seen uh, and the number of patients who complain that their long wait times were problematic for them. So both of those metrics have been really important for us as we've looked at the, the results in addition to uh, the satisfaction level of our patients. So a couple of things from a physical plant perspective. You know, we know that uh, some of what we've seen work for adults in the empath at Southdale uh, will be different for children and adolescents. And as we're looking at um, a child and adolescent empath coming down the pike, uh, we're going to change some of that structure to better meet the needs of kids. From an operational perspective, uh, we've learned that, uh, as I said, it takes time working together as two teams, one on the medical side and one on the empath side, working together to get it right. Uh, what we've been able to do is to admit a larger number of patients by having better communication between the two sides of the emergency department. Additionally, we know now that some of the clinicians who are best, particularly providers, long-term need for recruitment. And so it takes a long time and you need to start early in terms of recruitment of providers oh, who sure. will be best for that. The staff backgrounds are pretty important. We had historically thought that there would be a good merger of inpatient folks, folks who had worked historically on an inpatient service, and folks who had historically worked on an, in an emergency department. 
uh, what we found is that the empath is different than both. And then the backgrounds are, and the needs are very different. And so what we've had to do is do much more training and much more work as a clinical team to unlearn some of the things that are important on an inpatient service or some things that are important in an emergency department. So it is a very different kind of clinical team, and it's a very different way of working with patients. I think that's a very good distinction, I guess. As, as we look at the future of healthcare and what are the new models, how are things changing? As architects, it's, it's uh, relatively easy to come up with different ways of designing the spaces uh, and, and using the design to help influence behaviors. But really, without that buy-in from the care team and from the people that are, op- are going to operationalize it, and like you said, it, it takes a whole different mindset, uh, a whole different skill set, a whole different training. You can't just pick one team up from the traditional ED and say, okay, we're going to run you out of the empath unit tomorrow um, because it is, uh, it is widely different. One of the things we've also learned about care, and, and we started to see some of this in the emergency department on the medical side as well, is that what's important for patients when they leave, particularly if they're not being admitted to an inpatient service, is that they leave with an appointment and a clear path for their care. Um, Historically, emergency departments would give a referral to say, call this number on Monday and make an appointment. And most people don't make that call. So what we've found is that it's really important for people to leave with an actual appointment for an actual time And then what we do is we do caring contacts or a telephone call to the patient in the next 24 hours to make sure that that will continue to be uh, workable for them. And what we've done is reduce the no-show rate for those follow-up appointments uh, by almost a half. Wow, that's impressive. Any other final thoughts? I would say one area that I think needs to to continue to be focused on is the reimbursement for empath services. I think there are different models in different states, but one thing we we have identified is that the value we create for patients and ultimately for payors uh, is much greater than the sum of the reimbursements that are currently available. And so there's some need for some new models for reimbursement. The other piece that we've learned is that the income statement of an empath unit uh, is not the sum of the value to the health system um, or the patients. And there's a need to look at the broader value of the empath unit in the health system. Yeah, I think as I look over the past couple of years working with M Health Fairview, you know, we did that BWBR live with Dr. Zeller just over a year ago, mm-hmm. um, taking the lessons that we learned there and applying them at M Health Fairview's first empath unit at Southdale, and then really learning as they operationalized the Southdale unit and uh, brought it to life, working on their second M Health Fairview empath unit at the West Bank. And taking those lessons that we learned and applying them, uh, really understanding the differences between adults and peds, and as they're bringing uh, a pediatric empath unit online, it's really exciting to be a part of the entire conversation. I'm looking forward to what comes next in terms of empath units. Absolutely. And I have no doubt that there'll be a, a lot of new things that come next. Uh, what Ryan's talking about, uh, we actually do have a recording. It's a BWBR live presentation by Dr. Scott Zeller. It's on our website, 
Dr. Scott Zeller was the original developer of the Empath model. Just go to bwbr.com and you'll find it there. Often our listeners do like to reach out with questions. Brian, if our listeners wanted to connect with you with questions or more information, uh, what's the best way for them to reach you? You bet. They can uh, certainly shoot me an email. My email address is r-j-o-h-a-n-s-e-n at bwbr.com. And Lou, what's the best way to reach you? My email would also be a good way. And my email is lewis, L-E-W-I-S dot Zeidner, Z-E-I-D-N-E-R at Fairview, F-A-I-R-V-I-E-W dot org. Thanks, Lou and Ryan, for sharing your insights today. All of our content is provided to you free of charge with no annoying advertising involved. So if you'd like what you hear, do us a favor and share it with your network. You can find us on all major podcasting platforms. And let us know what you think about this or any discussion you've heard. Email us at sideofdesign at bwbr.com. Until next time, see you on the other side.